Ball left side, Webster. In the corner to Lurod, back to Webster. Webster with five on the clock. A three for Justin. He is good! Justin Webster, a huge three. Minute ten to go. Rebel lead is seven. Live from the Mountain West Conference Tournament, inside the Thomas and Mack, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Following up a UNLV victory. That was dicey. That was real dicey. Weird game. Real weird game. Air Force type game through the first, I would say 20 minutes because the second half was much different, but mm -hmm. a friggin' grinder. Almost depressing to watch basketball like that, even though Air Force is the, the master along with teams like Princeton, since it's the Princeton offense of grinding a game to the halt or to a halt and then getting super physical and really frustrating you on offense. But things opened up in the second half. There's so many key plays in this game, but in the end, 78-70 overtime victory. It was much closer than that throughout. Big shots, big defensive plays. The star of the game for UNLV in the 78-70 victory was EJ Harkless, but there were so many more Rebels mm -hmm. who came up with massive plays. John Von Tobel is here on the concourse of the Thomas and Mack. We got game three of the first round about to begin. The two best fan bases in all the Mountain West Conference are here for this one. That's why it's going to be really loud. And it's not even that big a crowd. Uh, you know, if Wyoming was any good this year, they'd have like 4,000 here. And we know New Mexico in the past would travel like eight, 9,000. But they're both really loud. We've got a bunch of uh, 70s and 80-year-olds behind us who are Wyoming fans. I'm sure they're going to go in in a second. But it's fired up, frenzied atmosphere. And if this game coming up with Wyoming and New Mexico is as good as the one that preceded it, and frankly, the first game of the day was very good. CSU <laughs> advanced in a very tight game. Isaiah Stevens, no surprise, the hero with a runner late, but hell of a day here at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And we have the Lady Rebels going for the auto bid and the title tonight at 7 o'clock here after the men are finished. Really cool. You and I are Vegas Madness, March Madness psychos. We both follow UNLV basketball. That was a cool show. It was, it was it, Considering what they came back from, where it looked pretty, as you to use your term, dicey in the last minute when they're down by, what, three, and you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. Right the way the season is gone, you get a really big win to end the regular season, but this is how it's going to go out. And to fight back there, tie this game, go to overtime, and comfortably control overtime, UNLV did. That was a pretty impressive showing through some adversity down the stretch. And like you mentioned, People are going to look at the box score, and they're going to see E.J. Harkless with his 35 points. But Vicky Waka was great. Justin Webster was fantastic in key spots. There were so many guys who contributed at just the right time. Luis Rodriguez as well. I, it might not show out in the box score, but that was a really solid team effort for a team that's pretty shorthanded. Very shorthanded. We didn't even mention you know, in the opening minute there that uh, Jordan McCabe started the game. He did not play at all down the stretch. I'll kind of build on that in a little bit. I think he finished with 15 minutes. Well, he was playing in place of Keyshawn Gilbert, who got suspended by the conference for the, uh, the, the head nudge, the head caress against Nevada. So McCabe out. Cam Burris, again, I didn't look at the total minutes. What did he finish with? Cam Burris played a lot. He played 12 minutes. Yep. Uh, in an overtime game. Actually made a little mistake late in the game. He did. We'll talk about later. He but, had a three, though. But he did hit a – he had – his three, Cam Burris hit a three in the first half with about 90 seconds left, and it was at a moment the Rebels 
we're starting to sink into that like, woe is us, stagnant, holy crap, we're going to play another game in the 40s against Air Force. And he had a baseline three to make it 24-22, and that's what it went to the half at. Uh, but he played a role. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, we can talk about Harkless for the next 90 minutes because mm -hmm. he had 35, a career-high 35. He also grabbed six rebounds. He had four assists. He played 39 of the 45 minutes. What a warrior in his uh, super senior final year. But two of the key guys. By the way, Shane Noel never came back in either. He yep. went out with three fouls with, I think it was, about 18 minutes left, and Shane didn't play the rest of the way. So that's the other thing. Not only were they shorthanded, but Kevin Kruger's like, all right, this is who I trust in the rotation, because David Mwoka fouled out. Mm -hmm. It was Webster with 41 minutes. Uh, Vic came off the bench, eventually logged 22. Harkless at 39. Lou Rod, who's, I'm sure, still dealing with a groin that's been hurt on multiple occasions. He played 33. Jackie Johnson made some big plays. He played 26. But yeah, you mentioned two of the guys, unsung heroes. On the defensive end, Air Force had so many good looks near the basket. And Vicky Waco, I mean, I, I would say unofficially, had seven blocks. Yes. Um, he wasn't credited for one. He didn't get another one because of a foul, which I, I know you were within earshot of maybe some people watching the officials. What'd they think of that call late where Iwako got a foul on what was, a, I mean, a, a sky, you know, high-flying block. What did he hit him with, his toe? Yeah, I don't even know. So I got to sit next to, I was sitting next to, uh, his name was William Kennedy. He was the uh, NCAA regional advisor for officiating. And, uh, let's, let's not say what he, let's say this is off the record. Uh, well, I don't, like, it was just noting. That okay. He was just, yeah, he yeah. was just a comment where he go, where he said, uh, what did he say? Oh, he got nothing. He got nothing. So oh, okay. I think it's a, it's a, it wasn't like anything bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, it, it was it was a bad call. Yeah. It was a clean block. We don't. I don't think there was any contact whatsoever, and it was a, it was pretty terrible. But at the same time, it speaks to like Owaku should have gotten called for, or should should have gotten credit for that. And I thought like, you know, Steve, like the angles in which Iwaku was getting some of these blocks, like in just where he was coming from, how he was disrupting plays. As you mentioned, he, if they would have tracked like deflections and whatnot, obviously would have been a much better game for him in a box score perspective. It it was impressive watching Vic it work the way that he was because he was all over the place on defense. He's massive. He's massive. And, you know, Vicky Waka is a really interesting guy because he has trouble logging more than 20 minutes because he's just full bore Vic Iwako all the time. So what that means is you're going to get spectacular plays. You're going to get some weird ones on the offensive end where maybe he's going to bobble the ball. He had, a, he had a case late where he got a good feed and uh, couldn't hold on to the ball. But on the defensive end, he's going to make unbelievable plays. I mean, I, I, he hasn't had a game like this with the blocks, but he's a great defender to cover one through five. Great help defender, as Kevin Kruger says all the time, you know, our defense works if we're all putting out each other's fires, and he's like one of their top firefighters in terms of going out there and, and snuffing out problems as a backstop. But really the game turned. We can talk about regulation where the game turned a little bit too, but in overtime, it was back and forth. It was 63-62 with about three and a half minutes left. The Rebels had the lead. There was a good stop and pop about 14 feet left side, just inside the elbow by Harkless, which is like his bread and butter, where he dribbled hard to the left, little bit of a nudge, shed, rises up, hits that J. Rebels create a turnover. Harkless, on the other end, can't finish a layup. Lurod comes from out of nowhere, 
tip in. And remember, yep. Luis Rodriguez, his layup to tie the game at 56 with 11 seconds left in Reno. I mean, he saved that game, so he gets a tip from Adam. I mean, he's such a, an explosive leaper, and he has good instincts around yep. the basket. Um, Air Force got it back to 67-64 with two and a half left, and then a couple of big plays where uh, Vicky Waco made one of two free throws to get it to four. Bad shot by Vanderswag, and man, the three by Webb that you heard coming in, which was basically just a, a hard power dribble at the defender, hard power dribble at the defender, got the defender to drop back a couple steps. He steps back behind the three-point line, swish. Yep. Monstrous, monstrous. So great defensive plays, awesome work on the boards at times because they were they got beat on the boards for like 30 minutes, but they recovered to get it done. And then Harkless against this Air Force team, he saved him in the first Air Force game, right? He got downhill late twice. Old-fashioned plus ones, and in this game, they just could they could not stop him. And uh, you know, he wasn't first team All Conference by. I didn't even bother looking at the coaches. I'll have to go look at it. Right. But by the media, which is the one I respect, he actually didn't make the first team All Mountain West Conference. He's a first teamer. They put Matt Bradley on there, who had a, a solid year, but they. San Diego State has a bunch of good players. No one has to be relied upon like Harkless. So he should have been a first teamer. He should have been the newcomer of the year. He's the best pure scorer in the conference. Uh, Massburn's very good. He's going to be playing here in a second. But EJ Harkless is awesome. And this is not meant to like any sort of pat on the back. But you know, based on what I saw from an attitude and early in the season, I remember having a little discussion with Curtis Terry. And I was like, who's going to be the alpha? Who's going to emerge? And I said it was Harkless. And he's, he's exceeded every expectation. Oh. Like, I didn't. John, before the season, we would talk about Bryce Hamilton being gone, a guy who averaged 23 a game, and you're like, well, they're going to be balanced. They're not going to have a Bryce. He's not exactly Bryce, but, I mean, look at in-conference play now, including this game. He's averaging like 21.5 points a game uh, over the course of what now, 19 games in conference? Boy, that, the usage rate that he has, right? Like, he's playing big minutes. He's scoring efficiently. His ability to get to the free throw line, it's insane. You, how, so he hits, draws fouls. It is crazy. He draws fouls on a turnaround jumper. He drew a foul on two three-point attempts to get that, to the line. That was it. Right. That's the other thing. I mean, that's those are crazy. And for Air Force to do it, Yep. because they're not a bunch of dumbasses, right? And UNLV fell victim to that more than a few times this year. Not not calling them dumbasses, but it finally turned you know, in favor of UNLV in a game. Continue building on that. Those were massive. I think he made five or six on those yep. two trips to the free throw line with three free throws apiece. And, and just to your point about him being a scorer, like we always use the term like gets to a spot, but he does. And it's why, you know, I've told you before, like my comp for him is Jimmy Butler because like he's a solid defender. And when he gets in that like mid-range area where he's got that turnaround jumper, the ability to get to the free throw line, the ability to finish, it, it is so wildly impressive to watch him. And to know too, like, like you know, at the end of regulation, do you miss a free throw that like could have given you a one-point lead? Sure. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, in, in overtime, between you and Webster, you were brilliant. And he was the reason why they won this game from a scoring standpoint. To score, how again, what was it again for him overall? How many points? 35 points. And a 78-point showing for the team. 29 in the second half in overtime. He had six at the half. And, it, and again, just a grinder first half. That was 24-22. And what was it, 57s going to overtime? Mm -hmm. And they scored 21 in five minutes in overtime after scoring 24 in 20 minutes in the first half. And, and to get <laughs> and, and two basketball is crazy. That and, and just the effort. So on the I think it's the final play or the penultimate play for them. 
where they give it to Webster, and you can just see Harkless just goes in the middle of the court, and he just bends over. He's got his hands on his knees. The kid's exhausted because he's given everything. But it is it was so impressive to watch him work as the way that he did, and there was no doubt almost every single play down the stretch, where's the ball going to be? It's going to be in EJ Harkless' hands, and he's going to get to his spots, and he's going to get buckets, and that, that's, I think, at the college level, that's really impressive. Following up, game two of the Mountain West Conference Tournament in the first round here, UNLV with a dramatic overtime victory, 78-70 to over Air Force. They advance to take on the two-seed tomorrow. For fans out there who couldn't come out for a day game today, Tomorrow night is 6 o'clock, so you can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Go through UNLVTickets.com. And, man, it would be nice to have a bunch of support out here for the Rebels who fought hard today and you know now have a chance to maybe get a little revenge on Boise. They got swept by Boise. Very close game with, a, I think, a shaky call, a bad call late. Uh, they lost close up in Boise. So let's get back on the clock. 78-70, overtime victory. Cofield and company going for another 90 minutes. A lot more on this Rebel victory. We'll talk more about the Mountain West Conference Tournament, what happened early, what may happen here. We'll preview tomorrow. We'll get some of the press conference sound downstairs from Kevin Kruger and some of the players as uh, we are live on the concourse of the Thomas and Mack, like we always are, but we're here. It's tourney season, the madness, and today was crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, UNLV victory by eight in OT. Field and Company is live at the Thomas and Mac for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. Mountain West Conference Tournament, first round for the men. We still have a ladies game coming up, which that'll be outstanding as the Lady Rebels are going for a second straight bid to the NCAA Tournament, trying to get the automatic qualifier. If they don't win, discussion to be had later in the show but the running rebels start off the day for UNLV in winning fashion got down early in the second half first four minutes of the second half were nightmarish as they fell behind what was the count at that point was it 27 22 29 24 I think they got down five I got all the play-by-play in front of me here Uh, but they just did not start out the second half very well didn't seem to be a uh, a sense of urgency 29-24 29-24 with 17-27 left to go. Yep. And then at that point, and it's funny, I just talked to, you know, Harkless and Jordan McCabe yesterday, and, you know, McCabe had said, listen, we get it. We get it. We know the this tournament, you know, we got to go four for four to get the bid, but, you know, we understand. We got to go one game at a time, but there's a sense of urgency. This season can end at any moment, and it's on us, the veterans to get the job done. They were down 29-24, as John mentioned, a little over 17 left in the game, and things were not going well, and weren't playing well offensively. And McCabe, uh, top of the key, right wing, feeds Harkless. He hit a three. Webster then hit a three. I think Lurod had a driving layup. And just like that, you know, you get eight points on the board, and all of a sudden it's an even game. And then from there it was pretty much – even throughout, Rebels would get up by five and Air Force would come right back. But this was, you know, veteran-led effort, very short bench. Um, as I pointed out earlier, Jordan McCabe did not play down the stretch in the Nevada game. He just wasn't playing effectively. And that was a big roll of the dice by Kevin Kruger to put in Cam Burst and let him play 11 minutes in the second half. And basically the same thing happened today. Um, I guess he just didn't think Jordan was that effective. Listen, I apologize if Jordan is hurt. He had a back injury middle of the season, but he went away from his super senior, and he gave Burrust 
a lot of time, and Cam came through. But, I mean, that that roster just – and who played just shrunk down to nothing. They go to an overtime game, and it's basically five and a half guys who are playing. It's and it's not even giving Burris time, Steve. It's, first off, giving him time in crunch time. Like, this is yeah. – hey, this is an elimination game. Winner, go home. Here you go, bud. Get out there. And then, and then even more importantly, he was doing a little offense defense, putting him out there for defense. In a, in a game that was in overtime or in clutch minutes, he was closing out games with Burst, and Burst did a pretty good job. Like you mentioned, he got a ball late and got a little excited and maybe put a layup that he shouldn't have. But other than that, like, he I, was fantastic. I think at that point, what, it was a 10-point lead with yeah. about 32 seconds left. They had a baseball pass. They threw nearly full court. He got ahead of the field, and he, he should have just dribbled towards the basket, mm -hmm. came out, got fouled, wasted another five seconds. But he got got a little too fired up. That was about the only mistake he made. Um, I'll have to look back. I, I, I think over the 23 minutes, I'm not sure that uh, – did he have a turnover today? Again, we're talking about a walk-on in Cam Burris who played one minute did on senior night. Did not have a single one. Yeah, so he played 12 minutes tonight without a turnover and a guy who didn't really play all year. Very key guy in practice, though, because when we talked to him before this game, uh, he joked. He's like, yeah, I got demoted from the scout team. He is the offensive player to stop on that scout team. Like, he he mimics in the last Air Force game, he mimicked uh, Jake Hybrider. So that's been his role, and it's a very important role. But now they actually needed playing time from him, and, you know, he closed the gap nicely. And, and I thought what was most impressive, too, is watching him defensively there was never really any miscommunications on switches. There was never any point where he was out of position. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He was communicating effectively. That, that was, you would figure that maybe you're going to see a moment where it's like, he's like, oh, we're supposed to switch here, and he forgets and goes. And there were a couple of moments where UNLV itself got caught, right, when Air Force would cut to the basket, and it would be Noel and somebody else, and they'd be like, oh, wait, am I switching to this, or am right. I going to the shooter? And they would wide, allow a wide-open shot. I'd say by my count with the back cuts and cuts in general, they probably got beat 11 times in 45 minutes and gave up four or five layups, mm -hmm. which is pretty good. But you also understand why he goes to a short rotation and they play super small. Like They, they actually caught up in the rebounding margin, which is yep. crazy because they were dominated in the first half. It was 22-14 Air Force, and Air Force is n normally not a good rebounding team. They really don't play anyone over 6-7. Like, the Rebels really had to nut up and start getting on the boards, and they grabbed a bunch of – they grabbed eight uh, offensive rebounds uh, after halftime. But, um, yeah, defensively, going small. And think about it. The switching at a point this season, I'll have to look back at the game where people are like, all right, enough of the switching. It ain't working. And they went back to what they believe is their identity against the freaking Princeton offense and did not get crushed on back cuts and cuts, and they were switching. Yep. And, and – they almost did it to a detriment in the first half because in the first half, I at least counted on my side, there was, I think, two open threes, maybe even three, that they allowed because both UNLV defenders would actually go with the cutter real quick and realize, like, oh, I have to go actually like go out into the shooter instead of coming. And so there was maybe a little miscommunication, but that's, you know, that's what you're watching in these games. And that's why I liked watching them defensively the first half because I was on that side of the court. And you're right, like, they weren't burned, re like, really that often on some of those back cuts. They were staying with their guys. Uh, it was... And to switch, too. Like, that's a lot of communication when you're talking about facing this offense and switching as much as they are. 78-70 overtime victory. Air Force uh, loses. Their season is over. They finished 14-18. and 18. They actually wound up losing a lot of competitive games down the stretch. They actually wound up losing 11 of their final. No, check that. Um, they finished 2-11. and 11, So, what is that? Yeah, I guess 11 of their final. 13. 13. They had a good season, though, considering from where they were coming from. Um, 
you know, new coach who's the old coach. Mm-hmm. I think they're set up pretty nicely. And I just wanted to give Air Force credit here for giving the Rebels really, really hard games twice. Hydrator's a good player. Yeah. He had 24 today. Kids 6'4", 180, right, skinny. Grabbed nine rebounds, hit five of ten from threes. Really dangerous, really smart player. But he had some key turnovers. And he, look at that minute count. Mm-hmm. Every minute of the game he played. But between Hybrider, Ethan Taylor, Becker, Petritus, and a couple of their bench players. Corbin Green didn't play uh, in, in this game, but they actually have a good core coming back. They can be a pretty decent team, but they have the all-important re-recruit after two years because once two years goes by, if you stay at Air Force playing basketball, you are in. Mm-hmm. Your commitment is sealed. You are official. So uh, hopefully they can keep Hybrider, and I think they've got a pretty dangerous crew coming back, and they run their stuff really well. And, you know, as E.J. Harkless said after the last game and repeated it again before this game that Air Force pound for pound is one of the strongest teams from a physicality standpoint in all of the conference. Like he, After the, the first game, he's like, man, we are worn out. They play really hard. Their cuts are hard. You know, they, they grab, they clutch, they just play physical, they bump you. you. You do get a little bit more of appreciation sitting up close and watching like how physical they can be defensively. And because, you know, the only times I'd watched Air Force was on TV, and you don't really get to see that. But watching it up close and seeing how what they did, uh, it was really physical. And to your point, too, I mean, the last three regular season games, yeah, Fresno State, UNLV, San Jose State, a loss of combined nine points in those three games. You push Boise State when you faced them in one of your matchups. It's a really good core. They're going to be good. They're going to be good as long as Hybrider stays around. They're going to be good. So they'll at least be middle of the conference next year. They won't go 5-13. and 13. I, I would guess they will be something closer to 7-10 to 10 wins um, if they don't have a lot of movement. But, yeah, UNLV gets through this one 78-70. So that's win number 19 of the season. I guess if we want to keep counting now 8-11 and 11 in conference. You know, the positive down the stretch here, if you're, if you're looking for beyond the win some – you know, glass very full. They had a lot of close games this year that did not go their way. Looking back, I think they started the season in games decided by four points either way. I think they started the season two and six, and they just won two straight. And the last game was an eight-point comeback with two minutes left, and now they win this one. They got this one out. It's, back, by the way, back-to-back overtime victories. So at least they're pulling it together in close games at the right time of the season. And then Keyshawn Gilbert will be available tomorrow. And then I guess, depending on matchups, we'll see who plays. We'll see who plays. He's Kevin Kruger has a lot of different options now. And game to game, you, you don't know. I mean, I don't know who's going to play between more minutes between Mawoka and Vic. And Keyshawn Hall, I think, had a couple of good moments mm-hmm. against Boise. So at the big position, I have no idea who's going to log a lot of time at point guard. None. Is oh. it Keyshawn Gilbert? It's not Burris technically at the point guard. Is it Jordan McCabe? Because mm. McCabe's played limited minutes now in the last two games. How much does Shane Noel play? I mean, if we want to start looking ahead, Boise's the second seed. I think they're the best team. They're not the deepest team. I think people aren't going to like this. I think they're actually a little better coached. Then San Diego State, a little better. Leon Rice, slight tick over mm-hmm. Dutcher. But Shane's been so good today. Kruger, I think, just didn't like what he was seeing. Here's the thing. Shane played Tyson Degenhart almost the entire game last game. He's playing. Oh, yeah. He's playing. 
Well, it seemed it, he played him in the post, and Degenhart did not have a monster game, and was inefficient. Shane's playing. It seemed today too was more of a hot hand type of deal, right? Like it, Kruger was looking at the situation and going, "All right, we've, we're really thin here. I've got my guys who are contributing. This is an elimination game. We need to just put the hot hands out there." I'm sure that Shane's going to have a really big opportunity, especially with his size. They need that. They need a little bit of a more sturdy wing out there against Boise State because Boise's got those guys in groves, and you had to have somebody who can actually match up with them physically. Yeah, the tough part with Boise, so late in that game up in Idaho, Rebels were right there, and I, I thought the officials gave Boise a real cheapie. There was a clear out in the middle of the floor for Shaver, and I think at that point they had a two- or three-point lead. Rebels just have to defend, and they've got a, a shot down the stretch. And McCabe did a really good job on him. Shot clock's way down. Shaver gets to the right elbow and a little bit of a nudge to clear out, and they call the foul on McCabe, and it should have just been nothing. Mm -hmm. let, the, let the players decide it. You know, maybe Shaver finishes and goes by, or you know he rises up and makes a jumper or passes to someone else. So they played him even. I think they're confident against that team. But here's the thing. You just played 45 minutes, and now you're going against the most physical or second most physical team after going against Air Force, now you got to go out for another 40 minutes tomorrow. It's a tough task. And that's the downside and why you don't want to play in these, and on this day. You, you need that buy. You need that buy because it, and you don't really understand because, the you know, college players aren't used to that. Playing this physical overtime game, you get about 24 hours or so to get rested and ready to go, and now you're right back at it again. And it's why it's really tough to make these runs as well when you're in these positions. I mean, look, we'll use an example from the other day, Steve. We talked about that a couple of times. We've seen it now a couple of times with Chattanooga playing Furman. Campbell the other day playing UNC Asheville. It's hard to make those runs. It really is. Scoreboard right now. Uh, we're upstairs on the concourse out here at the Thomas and Mac. We've got Wyoming and New Mexico going at it. Which, by the way, the setup for this game is kind of fascinating. The Cowboys were the worst team, the 11 seed. New Mexico started out 17-0. Fell going 8-10 and 10 in the Mountain West all the way down to the 6th seed. Wyoming actually split with them, beat them at the pit, and lost by one at home. Now their team's a lot different because they had three players walk. The, the three Pac-12 transfers just said, the hell with this, we're out of here. We don't want to play for Linder. Beat them as a 10-point underdog, too, by the way, at the pit. Uh, yeah. 11 threes in that game. What do you think of this one going in, in uh, today? What was it, nine and a half? Yeah, I thought it was a little high for New Mexico, given, like you mentioned, how the matchup went and how New Mexico had ended the regular season. I, I kind of pegged New Mexico as maybe a team that, if, you're, you know, if your backcourt gets pretty hot here with Mashburn and House, you probably have the horses to make a run, but I wasn't ready to go ahead and start laying the wood with them. 18-17 early. Lobos lead, 9-13 uh, left in the first half. I mean, the big difference is, one, Maldonado keeping control of the ball, mm -hmm. and two, if Wyoming goes crazy from three. They're shooting it. They're two of ten, though. Right. So they're going to shoot it. They'll, no doubt in my mind they'll get past, like, 28 threes for the game attempted. So, But if they, they're one of those teams, we watched them uh, here at the Thomas and Mac. I think they hit 14 in the game. I mean, if they get hot, they, you take 30, you make 12 or 13, it changes the entire game. And, you know, New Mexico can shoot the three, but, but not like that. So we'll see if we have a – an upset. So no upset in the 7-10 game with UNLV winning in overtime against Air Force. Uh, game one of the day featured Colorado State and Fresno State. And Boy. It was a seven-point game at the half. I knew it would be close. I, I knew Fresno would fight back with like, their grinding style. Like and they, two and a half? 
Like, yep. <laughs> they, that's brutal. That's a good point. What was the, it opened at? What opened two and a half, closed I think three and a half, and you're you know they're Colorado State's leading comfortably yep. pretty much the entire way. They blow it there the second half and they win by two. 67-65. Yep. And who was the hero for CSU? Who's been the hero so many times over the course of his career? Isaiah Stevens. You know, hard drive. I think there was whatever eleven seconds left in the game. He pulls up from about eight feet with two point seven seconds left, makes the runner. So CSU advances. There, it's a tough matchup for them. Yeah. Against San Diego State, and then also it's the bounce back, and you have to play the early game. I mean, the Rebels are fortunate the way this breaks down. At least they get a few extra hours. What they finish today at four, so they're going to get you know twenty six hours before a six o'clock tip. So CSU advances. Weird season for them. Weird season for Wyoming. I think both teams were expected to be top six teams in the conference, but San Jose State is a team that really surprised a lot of people, and so was Nevada. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now well, they play each other tomorrow. Well, for first and your off, boy, the Ducks walk. As to the guy, San Jose yeah. State Duck, he's got the bread. That's. I cannot. I will say, out of all these, I cannot wait for tomorrow. That Nevada San Jose State game is is incredible because San Jose State is a team that has a ton of potential. I think in this tournament, you have size to match up with the bigger teams. You've got the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. You have you know, the coach that could potentially win Coach of the Year. I don't think that's beneficial, right? You said there are so many good things going for San Jose State, and on top of playing on the second day as opposed to the first. And an opponent that I think they can beat Nevada, not selling Nevada short, but like the potential is there for San Jose State to make a little bit of a run. Now, you would assume they're going to run into San Diego State, but still, it's a really intriguing. Tomorrow's going to be a really intriguing day, but that game, I think, if you're ranking them, that's at the top. 2019 now, New Mexico leading uh, in that one against Wyoming. Yeah, tomorrow sets up like this noon, San Diego State against Colorado State, 230. Wolfpack against San Jose State in the 4-5 game. Rebels at 6 against Boise State. And then Utah State. And keep in mind, I think the Pack and Utah State are playing for one bid. Yes. I didn't check. What was the bracketology update today? I know yesterday they were in the Final Four to get in. Utah State and Nevada. Surprisingly, Nevada's been hanging on. Um, Even after losing to Wyoming and losing to UNLV, and, yeah. you know, not a, it's not an embarrassing loss against UNLV, but the Rebels' numbers are low. The, according to Lauren, uh, Lenardi, uh, Utah State and Nevada are in the last four in. Who else is in the last four in? So it's Mississippi State, then Utah State, Rutgers, Nevada. So And actually, last four buys, Boise State. So getting closer. Yep. Any chance four make it? I mean, I would say so. Given what we've seen from the bracketology, <laughs> there's a chance. I everyone say everyone needs favorite. San Diego State to get the hell out of the way. So four teams from right. the conference. You're in. Let's <laughs> just let us in. Five o'clock hours on the way. UNLV wins. Run Rebels advance to tomorrow's quarter. 78-70 win over Air Force in overtime.